Before this week's episode, we wanted to share some exciting news. We have heard your feedback on our audio. Trust us, we also feel your pain, but we are happy to announce that we have updated our recording software to Riverside to provide you all with a better viewing and listening experience. Since we've recorded our episodes in advance, please bear with us over the next three episodes. And thank you all so much for being here and sticking with us through this year of growth and improvement as a podcast. We really wouldn't be here without each and every one of you. And we'll see you all on the next one. Enjoy the episode. You have a different background this time. And so do I, but I always have a different background. But you have a different background this time, which is exciting. We are people and we do deal with a lot of things in life. And one of the things that I have dealt with now since for a while, let's just say that at least since the end of last year, is that I went through a divorce. So that was one of the toughest things I've ever been through in my entire life. It has been a roller coaster of emotions when dealing with mental health and taking care of yourself has been an absolute just trip. And I'm slowly but surely getting there to really just taking care of myself, not only but mind and body. And I think that is something vitally important that everybody needs to do. I am learning how to live life again and in a very different way. So it's exciting. It's scary. It's all of the things. But just know that if there's ever a dramatic change in your life, whether it be good or bad, to never be afraid, to always just take the leap, to stay strong, and to know your worth. Because that's the biggest bit of advice that I wake up and tell myself every day. Aww. And you're absolutely right. And I'm sure that wasn't easy to share. I know that it's something we haven't talked about for a while. So that also wasn't my place or the podcast place to talk about. I'm sure there's plenty of people out there who resonate and have and can understand where you're coming from. Like I said, we are it's people, so you guys. And this is a little bit about us. And about what we're we're dealing with and going through. And Darcy just, I just get to live vicariously through all her adventures right now. (laughs) Yes. But I'll be back in May. So we'll get to be together in May, which will be exciting. Yes. So with that said, we should probably say hi to everybody. Yes. Let's say hi to everybody. Because we also have new listeners. And I did the math last time. I won't go through every state, but we had 36 out of the 50 states the last time that I checked. So that was pretty exciting. But anyway, we're going to say hi to everybody. So if you want to skip ahead like 15 or 20 seconds, please do so. But hello to all of our patients in the United States, the United Kingdom, India, Ireland. I like how Ireland's making its way up the map. Since I've done my 23andMe and find out how Irish I am, that makes my heart happy. Hello to Australia, Bulgaria, Jamaica, Russia, Belgium, Canada, Germany, Italy, Sweden, Philippines, El Salvador, Portugal, Nigeria, Oman, Norway, Mexico, Iraq. Welcome, Iraq. We're happy to have you. I think this is your first time on the podcast, so welcome to the psych ward. The United Arab Emirates, Albania, Austria, Cuba, Spain, Iran, Poland, South Africa, Zimbabwe, and everybody unknown and in between. We are very happy to have you here and welcome to the psych ward. And if you're new here, welcome to Take a Killer to Brunch for your true crime and everything spooky podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Darcy. And I am Shannon, the other co-host. We did it this time. Yeah. I didn't cut you off. (laughs) That's the proud moment. Great. The bare minimum. Yay. 
So with all of that said, I guess we're going to have you kick us off, yeah? Yes. So I found a fun one. I think I'm itching for one of those really weird episodes that I do every once in a while. So I think that's going to be my next project is trying to find one of those. But this kind of like little, it's a little strange. So I'm literally calling this episode, you guys, The Killer Clown Murder. Ooh, okay. We love the kill. It's funny. Me and John were just talking about it, <laughs> which is, I know you're not covering that, but we were just talking about that. So this is about the murder of Marlene Warren. And yeah, killer clown, you guys. And I just want to ask, are you a fan? You're a fan of clowns, right, Darcy? Or are you one of those that's like afraid of clowns? I am not afraid of clowns. So I am in the minority. I feel most people are scared of clowns. I think for me, it's, it depends on the clown itself. There's scary clowns. would prefer, yeah, I'm going to like it. I'm not going to clown like that. But if it's like a circus clown, there's a clown. So that's kind of why I lie. I'm like, I don't particularly like them, but it depends. It depends on the clown. So the setting was that it was May 26, 1990 in Wellington, Florida. So Florida. And it was in a neighborhood that I sort of got Darcy. Tell me this is not the most Florida thing that you've heard in a while. They, all of their backyards basically lined up against a private airstrip so that people could take their planes to work in that. That definitely sounds like Wellington. So my sister used to live in Wellington, which at the time was like the rich part of Florida. And they've done new developments in the last 10 years. So there's like even newer richer parts of florida that she now lives in but that totally makes sense to me yeah yeah i was like seriously all the houses had like their private hangers for their little planes and all stuff and i'm like oh it's so fucking florida i (laughs) am just waiting for the news article that says florida man throws gator out of plane (laughs) oh literally okay so a little bit about marlene warren she was a mother of two boys she was 40 years old at the time. And on that day, she was just having her normal morning breakfast time. Her son, Joey, who was about 21 at the time, was staying with her. And his friend, Jeannie, was with him as well. So the three of them were just getting ready for breakfast, doing the normal average everyday thing. So out of nowhere, they see a clown walking up to their front door. So I'm assuming it's from like a front window. They're like, oh, there's a clown. And a lot of people, like we had just talked about, would be like, what the fuck? Why is this random clown coming up to my house? A little bit about Marlene is that she's very different. So she immediately sounds like, oh, my God, a clown. Like, happy. So, no. The the 48 hours and, like, some of the research I did really goes into the, like, her childhood was a normal childhood. But one of the things that she was actually really good at was painting. And so one of her favorite things to paint actually was clowns. So that was like her thing. And she was actually really good at it too. So of course, when she sees this clown coming up, I think what logically everybody was explaining is that she saw this as like almost like a surprise. Like, so her and her husband had recently been going through some fights and she saw this as like those like weird, like the telegrams that really like sing to you and they give you like a present. Yeah, I think that's, like what she was thinking so she had no hesitation to go ahead and answer this door so when she answered when she opens up the door 
she says, oh, how sweet. And according to Joey, he's, it sounded like a balloon had popped. But as he's also going to the front door, he makes the horrific discovery that balloon popping noise was actually a gunshot. So Marlene was shot point blank in the face once. Oh, my God. Yes. And then I have to tell you guys, too, is like what this clown was carrying. It's like I said, it really seemed like one of those like telegram things because they were holding a couple of balloons and a basket of flowers. So they were saying like within the hidden, within like the basket of flowers was the gun, basically. So immediately, Joey is, oh, my God. He attempts to chase after this clown. And sadly, he actually was recently in an accident where he was in like a leg cast. Like you can even see it on the videos. Like it's like almost to the knee leg cast. And so he's like hobbling around, basically trying to catch up to this clown who literally, you know, this is creepy. He literally, the clown just walks away slowly. Nonchalantly, like nothing happens. The clown slowly walks. That's like a scene out of a movie. Yeah, like just unfazed, just walks away. And... So Joey's chasing after this clown, and he said at one point the cloud, clown did turn around, and so he was able to get a really good description. It was like your typical clown costume. Uh, it had the orange, crazy, like, Afro-y type wig on with the red nose and, like, the face paint with a smile that was, like, white and red. And he said distinctly, though, he's like, I remember looking into this clown's eyes, and they were, like, these dark brown eyes. So he, that was about as good as he could get. And then the clown just gets into this car. So it was a white, let me see where I put this. Oh, Chrysler LeBaron car. So at the time, it's not as like a common car. It's almost it reminded me of like a cop car looking car. So gets into the car and it's like I said, again, just slowly drives away like nothing happened. Nonchalant. So Joey's still hobbling, trying to catch up, and he decides to run back and grab his keys. Jeannie, of course, his friend, is, like, freaking out, sees his mom, and she's, but you can't go alone. You're hurt. So Jeannie comes with him. They get into his car, and they try their best to catch up to this car, and it just basically disappears in the daytime traffic. And that's, like, the craziest thing to me, too. Is this literally happened at, like they said, approximately almost 11 a.m. in the daytime. So they go back to the house and miraculously, Marlene is somehow still alive. So, of course, the ambulance shows up, police show up, and they immediately rush Marlene off to the hospital. So, unfortunately, like I said, she was alive. She would spend, they said, almost two days in the hospital, but would, after day two, would eventually succumb to her injuries. So, sad. My um, husband did it. The husband did it. The husband did it. I'm sold. We'll, we'll get to that. We'll get into that here. So, just so that's the whole that was the actual event itself, you guys. Oh, I need to stop saying you guys because remember that's like my catchphrase. I'm literally. I was hoping that you wouldn't be traumatized. I am so traumatized. Eight times. Okay, I you only said it forty-eight that. times. I'm just telling you. <laughs> I'm doing my best to not say it. Is, I guess I think it's, it's not, quintessential at this point. It, it's not as bad as at least it's, it's. I've done that where like I've gone to some of our recordings. I'm like, wow, I say I'm a lot, and it's bad. 
to oh, be fair, the last few recordings I've done, there's this really cool feature in Descript that's our editing software that takes out all the ums and the uhs. So I just do that automatically. And just... So we actually sound a lot better than we are because <laughs> editing. <laughs> yeah. So, so consciously, I'm sure it's still going to happen. I'm very consciously <laughs> trying not to say it. <laughs> I just think you should embrace it. All right. So when it. we, yeah, when, listen, when we become big enough to have merch, because you guys will be with a phrase. The Shannon quotes on the outside. Yeah. You guys. Da, da, da. Da, da, da. <laughs> All right. So about the Warrens, since that was the actual episode, like the event itself, I'm going to get into the Warrens. So Marlene's husband's name is Michael. And they owned and managed a local car lot. It's kind of like a used car slash like car rental place called Oregon Motors. And they also had a, a bunch of different like rental properties that they said were worth at the time about $1 million. So that's where they got wow, their money and had a house with a plane landing in the backyard. And is it just me though? Like I was doing my research and I'm like, I feel like I do a lot of like family murders that are related to people that like have car type dealerships or work in the car industry. I'm like, is that, is that just a thing? Maybe, maybe it is a thing. Maybe you need to cover the John Benet Ramsey case next. Oh gosh. Yes. But yeah, I was just like, it was more of those little side tangents. I was like, because I guess it made me think of the Amityville horror. So I'm like, they, he worked at a car dealership too. So I'm like, what is with these car dealership people? There was this infamous car named Christine, if you know what I'm talking about. Well, I think so, yeah. So be fun Stephen too. King wrote a book called Christine about a haunted car that killed people. <laughs> all I'm saying is it's not... All I'm saying is I have yet to see any one of these people and Christine in the same car lot. I'm just saying. Just saying, yeah. All right. So the couple had been married for about 20 years. Marlene, like I said earlier, was she was going through a lot at the time. So just prior to her murder, like I said, she had two boys. Joey was one of them. Her first son, unfortunately, very tragically died in like a fatal car accident. And family and friends also said that when that occurred, it really changed her and affected her. I guess that was probably what was a big impact on her marriage and what was a lot of the cause of the arguments and the fight that her and Mike were having. And just so you guys know too, Mike wasn't actually the father of Joey and her son. So she was married previously when she was super young and had them super young. But for all intents and purposes, like Mike was their dad. Like he was, like he stepped into their life when they were very young and basically raised them up until they were adults. So it, he wasn't really there for her when her son died and really stepped away, which is pretty fucked up. Because I'm like, that's your family, your wife, and basically your kids, you're just like walking away from. So let's see. Oh, and just so you know too, sorry, really quick is remember when I told you that she really liked clowns? I wrote in here too, mm -hmm. it really creeped me out. If anybody does watch the 48 Hours episode, for me at least, it's just one of those like unsettling things. Was, so they interviewed her mom 
And her mom literally takes you on a tour of this bedroom that she created that literally is like the clown themed room. And I'm like, okay, that's just, that's too much for me. Like she had the pictures, obviously, that her daughter painted, but then she's, and this clown reminds me of like a sad clown that's going through a lot in life. And I'm just like, okay, that's too much. Like I would walk into the room and be like, no, just like walk right back out again. Okay. So did she create this clown room like after her daughter died as like a coping mechanism or was it always just there? Oh, no. I think she, this is like full on her coping mechanism because she's, and this clown reminds me of like, the happy Marlene and all this stuff. So, it's, oh, yeah, for sure. Like, she definitely correlated the two, which is weird because, like, her daughter was murdered by. Whatever you got to do, whatever you got to do. But her daughter also loved clowns. Like, she also loved clowns. And when you said, oh, this reminds me of a sad clown that's going through a hard time. And I was like, are you projecting yourself onto that clown? I'm not making fun of her coping. Like, listen. Everyone copes in their own ways, but it's a bit much. I agree. It's a bit much. She's like, oh, yeah. She's like, because they asked her, I'm sure, like, about how she feels about clowns. She's like, I don't hate clowns. I just hate one clown. Obviously, meaning the one that killed her daughter. But still, I didn't like, I just, I wouldn't be able to feel the same way about them after that. So, so, like you said, Darcy, we're going to now dig into some of our prime suspects because, of course, they start investigating immediately. So, like you said, Darcy, who would prime suspect number one be? It's always a spouse. <laughs> always. I'm putting my foot, my stake in the ground. I'm going for the spouse this time. But just to put this thought in your guys' heads, too. So, yes, of course, Mike was a suspect. But the tricky part about this case is that they were in a full clown costume. So, even like Joey was saying when he was describing what he was seeing, he's the hardest thing is those I can't definitively say whether it's a male or female. Because you got the makeup on, you got the clown suit on. You don't know if it's male or female. Mike did have an airtight alibi, though, Darcy. So that's the hard part is that he was actually a couple hundred miles away. I think he was going to like a horse track meeting or some sort of like business thing with like multiple people in the car with him at the time. So they're like, obviously, he didn't do it. Because he wasn't even there. There was no way. But like I said earlier, they were fighting a lot recently. And rumors were going around that, well, that Mike, he was having an affair. Oh, man, I'm not surprised. And also, people hire hitmen all the time. He could have totally set this whole thing up. That's why he has an alibi. I still believe it's him. So... A little bit about his lover. Her name is Sheila Keen. And Sheila. She, she is fucking Sheila. So Sheila. Not hating all the Sheilas out there, but this particular Sheila we don't like. Yeah. So Sheila Keen was only 27 years old. And she actually, how she got to know Mike was that she basically worked for him with her ex-husband. So they repossessed cars. And that was like one of the lots that she worked with was Mike's. And so they would drop off like the repossessed cars and he'd kind of like, store them there or whatever, or kind of buying them and renting them back out again, whatever it was that they did. So, so that's how they knew each other. They basically worked together. So fairly early into the investigation, as they're looking into Mike and as they're looking into Sheila, investigators basically were able to <laughs> almost immediately 
find out that the rumors weren't just rumors. They were very true. So when they were going around, even like investigating and asking questions to Sheila's neighbors, I guess Mike had been over there so much that people actually believed that that was her husband. Goodbye. No, thank you. Yeah. My point is getting more and more solid. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. So now going into the evidence that they had at the scene of the crime and kind of everywhere else, common sense is telling us that spouse or somebody related to the spouse likely did this. Digging into it a little bit, the investigators looked at the clown costume first. So they actually did a decently good job. And remember, this is May time. So it's not even, it's not Halloween where you can just go to any store and get multiple different costumes and easily find a clown costume. So they were just like going on a whim, basically. And they're like, what if this person like just recently purchased this clown costume? So they go to a nearby costume store and they interview some of the employees and the clerks that work there. Now, this clerk that they interviewed, she basically told them, yeah, I remember this person distinctly coming in like just days ago, like being so adamant about getting this clown costume because I guess she was just about to close up the store and she was saying like, can you come back and get it? And this person, no, I need this right now. So when the police decide to ask, can you describe this person to us? She describes this as a woman. Sheila. Long, dark brown hair and brown eyes. What a bitch. Fuck you, Sheila. So when they showed her a photo lineup of women, the clerk was able to point out Miss Sheila Keene. I knew it. Oh, my God. So it just be crazy. Hard, yeah. So the hard part is that when it comes to these photo lineups, and I'm sure we've all seen in the true crime shows and stuff like that. Or I know like for me, like when I watch 48 hours or the first 48, whatever it is, uh, people sometimes really struggle with in the moment being like 100% certainty this is a person. Because if you think about it, you could easily be screwing over somebody else's life if that's not really the person. So the clerk, oh, yeah. like it was them, but I can't say for 100% certainty. So like investigators were stuck. They're like, shit. They're not willing to say with 100% certainty that this was who did, bought this costume. And even then, that's still, if you think about court cases and stuff, like that's still pretty circumstantial, you guys. Like, Sheila could easily go and say, well, I just wanted to get a clown costume. That doesn't mean I murdered her. Yeah. Yeah, she totally could. It's not just situations like this, but this is a big reason why, like, eyewitness testimonies are no longer, like, solid evidence in court. There's been so many studies done on have you seen like those group studies where it's like they put a group of people and they show them a scenario and people just fall into like group bias and shit like that yeah and it's and they even talk about the whole where at the time like it's so hard to photographically memorize who you saw and especially if it's or even if it's you've witnessed a murder like to pick out the person that shot the gun you, your perspective changes like dramatically, especially when you're going through such a traumatizing event that it's you could three people could easily see the same event and watch the same thing, but all see something different or remember something differently. And that doesn't mean that they're lying or anything like that. They just all remember it differently. 
Yeah. Yep. And as damning as that seems to everybody, it's really not when it comes to court. So, you know, sorry to cut you off. That, because remember when you did the amnesia thing, that would be another fun topic for you to cover would be the like group bias or like the eyewitness stuff. That would be a really fun one for you to dig in deep on. Oh, yeah. I think it's totally fascinating, like how the brain literally just alters things on its own, like against what we even are realizing. Like it's just it's bananas. Mm -hmm. Anyways, next piece of evidence, of course, was the balloons, you guys. So remember the clown came up holding the balloons. And for me, I'm like, whoever did do this and I really get into it, who did right now, but they were not smart, you guys. So they would have, if looking back, obviously we look at the mistakes that they do and then I would do this. But anyways, they, she clown brought like very distinct children. Like I would have just picked out like your typical like red balloons or whatever. Not because it's it or anything. Like, your standard typical balloons. No. This clown <laughs> brought two balloons that were like those, I guess they're like the Nylar or whatever balloons. Like, the ones that you get at the grocery stores, you guys. Like, those kind. Oh, okay. Um, okay. One of them was the heart that literally said, you're the greatest. Which is a little bit fucked up. And then the other one was super random. And it was like this round balloon that had Snow White and Seven Dwarves on it. And I'm like... Is that, I don't know the reference there, but weird. You're going to go tonight. Okay. Like I said, you guys, it's a very odd balloon. Police were able to basically go to all the stores nearby and they found out that they were purchased at a Publix, which we all know Publix. If we've been to Florida, it's like the number one grocery store. And the actual Publix had those very specific balloons at that time. Oh, that just so happened to be less than a half a mile from Sheila's house. And Sheila. Fucking Sheila. Fucking Anywho, still, still, you guys, that's a circumstantial piece of evidence. Ironic and very damning, but not concrete. So. Could have just been ironically the same grocery store that just so happened to be next to Sheila's house. Who knows? And good for you, Sheila. So then there's the flowers. And when it comes to the flowers, you guys, is that there really was not a whole lot that they really said about the flowers other than that they were red and white carnations and they were in this like little basket thing. But nothing substantial really came from those. So then we look at the car. So like I said earlier, the car was a white Chrysler. Oh my gosh. Chrysler. Mary Chrysler. That. LeBaron. So they were, at least were able to track down the car. About four days after the shooting, they discovered it was in a Winn-Dixie parking lot. And I'm like, leave it to Florida to also have their grocery store called Winn-Dixie. But yeah, so is it a grocery store parking lot? They, of course, impounded the car, investigated the whole thing, and they did find some evidence in the car, which was good. So some of the pieces that they found were some orange synthetic hair, so like that of a wig. Is there a reason why there's a little hand? Yes, I need your attention. Okay, so 
I looked up what carnation symbolized because if this is Sheila and women are petty, she picked those flowers for a reason. So carnations, according to Google, symbolize love. All right. Whether it's a familial love, romantic love, or the love of a friend, carnations will make a lovely gift for many occasions like Mother's Day, birthdays, or anniversaries, or even your death. I added that part at the end, but just wanted to toss that in there. I love that. And I love the fact that I don't know all these little petty things. What do you click on to fucking wave at somebody on Zoom, you guys? Like Darcy literally just put like a little on hand Zoom? up like she's like raising her hand. Oh. And I'm like, so. okay. So if you like move your mouse and you like totally edit this out, it's fine. At the bottom, you'll see reactions and the smiley face with a plus sign. And then you have all these things. So <laughs> we don't have to edit that out because that's actually pretty funny. <laughs> So yeah, that's how you can do reactions and such. I love that. I'm going to forever pay attention now to this little hand popping up in the corner. <laughs> I think I love it's that. smarter than trying to like just say something. I'm like, no, she can say her thing, but she'll see me raising my hand. I have something. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So like I was saying, you guys, when they looked in the car, they did pick out some orange hair, which is like the synthetic hair from the wig. Now, they also found some other hair. Do you want to take a guess, Darcy, as to what kind of hair they found in the car? Wait, I'm sorry. What car are we talking about? The white Chrysler one that. Oh, 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 the one that the son described. Yes. Probably brown hair, like Sheila's. Yep, so they were able to pick up some long brown hair, too. Dirty hooker. Dun, dun, dun. So, also, sadly, you guys, like I said, two days after an event occurred, the murder occurred, I should say, not just the event, but the murder, the medical examiner was able to recover the bullet that was inside Marlene, and it was lodged inside her spinal cord. So that's why when they took her off life support, Joey was saying that she pretty much died immediately. It was from, they said either, because they couldn't determine, because they're so close in like the way they look. It was either from a 38 caliber or a 357. And do you want to just guess, Darcy, what kind of gun Sheila possessed? I'm going to go out on a limb here and say a 35 or a 357. It was a 38 caliber, but yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah. So it, sorry, 38. It, yep. Sheila, you guys, she owned a 38 caliber gun, and that's what she used when she was repossessing vehicles because it is a dangerous job. So she did have to carry with her. Yeah. Oh, how ironic. The boxes are just checking left and right. So when police asked Sheila about her gun and where her gun is, oh, it was misplaced about a month ago. I can't find it. Yeah. So that kind of sucks, though, too, because without that possession of that gun and not being able to compare bullets, you guys, it's difficult like i said that's still a circumstantial piece of evidence while it's damning again and all these things are just like one right after another it's too easy for in court for them to be like a lot of people own a 38 caliber gun so what sheila does what does it mean that she murdered all these things just keep adding up so of course after looking at all that evidence that they had, unfortunately, this is still 1990, you guys. So 
it's it's DNA is still in its infancy. So they were they had the hair, which you know to me would have been like, yes, that's it. This is 1990, where it, that technology just wasn't there yet. So the case does go cold for many years, but it never was actually closed. So that's the silver mine. It was that investigators didn't say it's just unsolved or they didn't close it in any way, shape or form so that it could be come back to. Because they knew very well that like they had the evidence there, but they just didn't have the technology at the time. And the so, that her hair didn't have any hair follicles on it. Oh, I'll get into that. We'll get there. Oh, okay. I just want to, yes. So my, this, at this point now, I just want to take you guys into the aftermath of the murder and the things that just happened afterwards, because it's a lot. So the biggest red flag to me when not doing my research is that there was a specific article that stated, this is just like a huge red flag, that Marlene, just prior to her murder, explained to her family that, hey, if something happens to me, my husband did it. So I'm like, if, the, if there's ever a reason or ever a circumstance that you're saying this about somebody, fucking run, you guys. That is not good. It also means they did it. Yeah. I've been there. <laughs> I've told you that before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You've told me that plenty of, yeah. At least in the recent past. So during the investigation, like we all know that obviously Mike was being looked at, her husband. So when investigators are looking at to pinning him to the murder, ironically enough, they're looking at the, the bargain auto place he had. And so they're going through all of his records and stuff like that to even just try to read the, that white Chrysler, which, by the way, you guys was listed as stolen. They were trying to somehow correlate it with Mike to tie him into this murder ironically when they were doing all this they actually were able to arrest mike still but on the fact that he had multiple counts of fraud not surprised oh that's convenient yeah so at least after this murder while they weren't able to arrest him for the murder of his wife they arrested him for fraud and he still served four years in prison yeah i guess it's something yeah and unfortunately, like after the murder and obviously seeing what he saw, Joey, her son, really struggled. And it's really sad. And even watching the 48 hours that I did, he really talked about how he struggled. And I'd imagine so. It's like you literally saw a clown murder your mom. So afterwards, mm-hmm. Joey talks about how for years and years, he really struggled with like drugs and alcohol addiction. And really just messes younger years up. He even went through a whole court battle with Mike. Because this is how fucked up of a person Mike is. So, like I said, Mike is not Joey's dad, like, biologically. But that's his dad. Mike and Joey end up having to go to court over Marlene's estate that was worth about $1 million. And poor Joey, because Mike was still technically her husband, gets literally left with almost nothing. Mm -hmm. So his own, basically, father just fucks him over and this is your psa to make sure all of your affairs are in order i know it sounds groom and grim and dark but there's seven different types of documents that people don't really know that they need to have filled out like your final wishes and your will are not the same thing your medical power of attorney stuff is not the same thing as who's in charge of your bank when you die 
just get your shit in order as soon as possible as as grim as that sounds because then all of this stuff is settled you don't there's no one going to court for shit yeah yeah so i just i thought that was so fucked up and oh and regards to joey too they even talked about i'm like i didn't think of this at first but then when i they were talking about i was oh my god so darcy do you remember back in 2016 when there's that huge clown craze where people were dressing up as clowns and like fucking going around staring people Yes. See, what's funny is I was going to bring it up earlier when you were talking, when you were like, oh, like she was so excited when a clown was walking up to her door. And I was like, yeah, because this was before 2016 where clowns traumatized everybody. And they were like making YouTube videos and what was it like Vine videos and then chasing people down the street or like walking up to their house like for a while. Like anyone, everyone knows. The clown panic of 2016 was weird and nobody wants it back <laughs> yeah no and can you imagine poor joey too like he the poor guy has already gone through enough and then 2016 happens and everybody's dressing up as clouds and he's just having these flashbacks i'm sure like this time when his mom died yeah it's like nom for him it's just <laughs> literally listen all i'm saying is he's got landmines and a shotgun on the ready don't say now the little bit of happiness i guess it's not really happiness but the good thing that i can say about joey you guys is that he was able to clean himself up eventually so when they interviewed him he's i was able to get clean he i think lives in like iowa now and he started his own construction company i was like oh good for you joey and he's he basically said that he attributes his success and his construction company to his mom because his mom always would take him to the rental properties that they had and this like how badass marlene was so she would be the one to basically do any repairs do anything that needed to be done to the rental properties and she just always brought joey with her so that he could watch and he was saying that he's like yeah so i've learned so much from her and then not only that but if there's ever something she didn't know how to fix when she would hire people, she would make a point to make sure Joey was there to actually watch them and be able to learn from that. So he was like a jack of all trades, just even growing up as a child, because Marlene instilled that into him. So he like he he dedicates his work and his construction to his mom, which I thought was super sweet. Now here comes the ugh, nasty aftermath part. So after Mike gets out of prison for being in there for four years for a fraud, he also decides to move away. And you want to know where he or who he takes with him when he moves away? Charlene. Sheila. Oh, yeah. So him and Sheila decide to move away. They move to, it's like the Tennessee, Virginia area. It's at the border so they had basically a home in each virginia and in tennessee where but just prior to this you guys before moving they decided to take a vacation to vegas and you know what happens in vegas darcy usually to eloping so they get married you guys they get married and the weirdest thing too is so when they get married she obviously changes her name last name to warren but also decides, oh, I'm going to start going by Debbie now. 
Debbie? Okay. No hate mm-hmm. on Debbies, but like, why? So when they asked her why, she's like, oh, it was a childhood nickname my dad gave me. And I'm like, did he hear, did he not know what your name was? Like, how do you get Debbie from Sheila? What kind of bullshit? Yeah. And then so they're like interviewing all of like her, the friends and people that knew them in Florida. And they're like, we didn't know her as Debbie. But now, yeah, no. So she is now Debbie Warren, you guys. So I will now be referring to just, you know, as Sheila Debbie. <laughs> Sheila Debbie. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Morbid decided to call her Chevy, which I thought was pretty funny too. The fitting. Yeah. She was a Chevy and Shabby. So Sheila Debbie and Mike decide when they moved to Virginia, Tennessee area that they would open up their own fast food restaurant called The Purple Cow. Okay. I guess was decently successful. They were known to be like some really shitty bosses though. So they were like super strict with everybody and really liked them because if even if you did one little mistake, they like, I don't know if they like fired you or they just made your life hell. I don't know. So ironically enough too, like I said, this all happened in Florida and now they're in Virginia, Tennessee where nobody really knows them. But there was a rumor already going around the purple cow that Debbie murdered Mike's wife. So. It was really funny because in uh, the 48 Hours episode, these former employees of them, they're like, yeah, we definitely thought she killed his wife. Because she's just fucking crazy. Yeah, she probably did. And she was like, if you fuck up one more time, I'm going to send a fucking clown to your house. Yeah. Like I said, we're, we've, all, we've already talked about this. Sheila Debbie wasn't ever arrested for the murder for because of the reasons that the, they just didn't have the technology for the DNA at the time and everything was just circumstantial. So they needed that concrete evidence. Now, here it gets to the good part. In 2017, in Tennessee, or actually it was actually in Virginia. So in Virginia, Sheila Debbie gets arrested, you guys, for the murder of Marlene. After the clown pandemic. <laughs> After the clown pandemic. So finally, they re- basically, they reopened the cold case. And I think it was around, around the clown pandemic times. So maybe that's what reminded them and had them reopen it up. I don't know. But they reopened the case. They're like, okay, let's do this DNA testing now. And sure as shit, you guys. That brown hair they found, fucking Sheila, Debbie, fucking Sheila, fucking Sheila, fucking shabby Chevy. <laughs> also, a little bit of a side note, but if you watch the Forty Eight Hours episode, it was just weird, Darcy. So they did all the interviews and stuff like that. They, they interviewed their neighbors that they had in Virginia, which of course they're in this up to do neighborhood in Virginia down by the lake, and yeah, 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 yeah. So they interviewed their like closest friends, which were like their neighbors in Virginia. And I swear to God, it gave me like the worst purge vibes ever. Sure. Virginia is on the borderline of like Southern comforts, right? Like Southern hospitality. That's yeah. talk shit to your face, but in the most polite way possible. Yeah. So this woman was like super like the Southern comfort kind of thing. But I don't think she just had like too much Botox or something, but it was just like her face. I was like. You remind me of almost like the purge mask of 
just like the smile and like everything and just being like so nice but i'm like so they even asked her too they're like so how do you feel about debbie now that you know she was arrested for the murder of mike's ex-wife or former wife and she's oh i still love her she's like my love is unconditional and i'm like barf she murdered a woman and she's I don't look at people's past. They didn't ask about my past. And I'm like, why? Because you murdered somebody too. You look crazy enough. But she said, no, please elaborate. Yeah. So she's like, I still love her. She'll always be one of my best friends. And I'm like, good God, you guys are definitely going to work together. No, she totally didn't mean any of that shit. She's like, oh, my love is unconditional until it challenges my reputation in society. And then I don't, like, after this interview, I actually don't know her. So, Mike, unfortunately, you guys, still lives in Virginia. They did actually try to, like, knock on his door and interview him, too. Because while they were able to tie Sheila Debbie to the murder, it is yet to come out that she has said anything related that, oh, Mike told me to do it or anything like that. Even though we all know, you guys, like, it was the two of them, even though she may have done the actual murdering itself. Like, obviously, we could all just assume that Mike was like, yeah, you should probably murder my wife. And it's all really related to greed if you come down to it. Because you could just easily divorce your spouse. You, you can. But it, a lot of it was because their businesses that they had together were in Marlene's name. So he was like, he didn't want to lose his money. But he didn't want to be with Marlene anymore. And he wanted to be with fucking Sheila. So what does he do? Decides to just murder her, which is just, ugh, I can't. So it's also your sign to sign a prenup. Put all the prenup. I don't know why people get so salty about prenups. It's not like, we are predicting a divorce. No, I'm not. I'm just saying my shit is my shit. When I came into this is mine. And if shysa happens or we get divorced, my shit stays mine or goes to wherever. You don't get it. Yep. Especially if you know you're going to have businesses and stuff like that. Just so the crazy thing is that because this if you think about it she was arrested in 2017 i don't know if it's just like a backlog of everything whatnot i don't know covid obviously happened in 2020 maybe that was around the time that her original court date was going to be but because covid happened still actually haven't had her court date darcy and believe it or not her court date is next month Oh, shit. So we're going to get an update? We are. So I cannot wait to give an update to you guys in regards to what is going to be the outcome to Sheila Debbie. I want to know what they decide to sentence her with and all that. So I will definitely be keeping that on the radar so that I can give a little quick follow-up blurb to you guys. But yeah, so that was my story, you guys. I have somewhat of a conclusion, but not really. But like I said, we'll keep you updated. We'll keep you up. That's so exciting. I'm happy she's going to finally get tried. Justice, for fuck's sake. So yes, I'll be looking forward to this update. Here's a fun one. First of all, if your name is Sheila, Debbie, or what was the other name? I don't know, one of those. Like, We want to say hi. Say hi in the comments. But do you think she's going to get charged with murder or do you think she's going to get off? I would love to know what you guys think. Yes. Yes. Because like I said, for me, when I was doing this research, I was like, huh, she fucking did it. She did it. 
but you never know in port you never know and supposedly of course because they're wealthy they decided to hire one of those top defense attorneys so um i will literally just scream into a pillow if this woman gets off though sure it's also Fudge monkeys. I lost my train of thought. God damn it. Okay. Oh, what if she gets it with it? Forget. Oh my god. Literally. I guess it wasn't that important. It's fine. <laughs> I hate when I do that. But anyway. Carrying on. But yeah, so that was my story, you guys. So I'm just going to go ahead and cite my sources. So there's actually a couple that I used. There's a, an episode on 48 Hours that I watched, and it was really good. And it's literally called The Clown Did It. So there's that. There's also an episode on Morbid. So we all know that's a very popular podcast. And they did also do an episode on a killer clown. And the website that I used to is from Palm Beach Post. And it's like a news article that I did a lot of my research from. Now, Darcy, do you want to finish us off? Because you always do it so well. Yes, happily to do it. You can totally find us on social media platforms like Instagram. You can find us at TAKTV Podcast. You can send us an email at TAKTV Podcast at gmail.com. Check out our website at TakeAKillerToBrunch.com or find us on Facebook at TakeAKillerToBrunch. If you're watching on YouTube, we're obviously here. If you're listening, you can find us on YouTube at TakeAKillerToBrunch so you can watch along with us. And I think that covers all of our platforms we're, that we're currently using. So we would love to hear from you. Check us out. If there is content that you want us to cover, if there are stories that you would like us to cover, we want your guys' feedback. We want to know what we're doing well, what you like, what you don't like, so that we can make a better podcast for everybody. So thank you all for being here, and we will see you in the next one. Cheers. Cheers. My empty glass. Well, you remembered. Bye, guys.